Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, it's another installment of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Welcome to our playground. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are your mother-daughter dynamic duo, the Goddess Gals, your personal growth success coaches with you every week. And we are very happy that you are sharing this time with us because we want you to follow your heart and live your dreams and be inspired and motivated. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the Goddess Gardener. When you need a garden consultant or advice, call 925-377-7827 or visit goddessgardener.com. And this is from Cahill Gibran. Awake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving. So love is the theme for our day today. Well, we have a really, really fun show for you in our Tea for Two segment coming right up. We're going to give you some ideas for healthy snacks and lunches that you can pack for your kids now that school is back in. Is that a woohoo or oh no? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) And a favorite guest who is an expert in university enrollment, Dr. Don Martin, returns to share his insights on graduate study. And then we are going across the pond to celebrate the 45th wedding anniversary of a very special couple from Sierra Leone who are living in Great Britain, Winston and Gloria Ford, and they will share their book from Aiden to Bliss So Fun, Exciting and Romantic today. Plus, we're going to get you educated and get you back in school. So summer vacation is ended, Heather. I mean, school sessions are beginning. I know. I know. And we have to have people eating healthy. You are our health expert, and we're so about, you know, eating things that are nutritious and good for you that build our brains and our bones. So, parents, are you packing healthy lunches and snacks? 
I mean, I know parents are either overjoyed or they're sad that their little ones or maybe their teenage ones or their college age are out of the house. But even if a school offers lunch programs, we want to make sure that our kids are eating correctly and their backpacks are packed right. Because it's really easy to put money in a vending machine or just to pack junk food. But Heather and I wanted to show you how much easier and actually cheaper it is to supply tasty, nutritious and foods that your kids are going to love and think are fun. So what's first up, Heather? Exactly. Well, with kids finally heading back to school, and now it's time to start filling up those pantries and the refrigerator and the lo and behold, the lunchbox or lunch bags, it's really important to start thinking about um, what's going to be going into your children's mouth. Because the big thing is education, brain food, thinking about having your kids eating healthily is going to help them overall with their uh, outcomes in school. And about 98% of children fail to meet the recommended servings of the five core food groups that are established. And some, and about uh, 25% of children, daily calories um, are coming from junk foods alone, like soft drinks, sweets, desserts. Um, a lot of times, you know, as we, we discuss in things of whether it's the economy or just time, especially right now, parents are having to work so much and it's really hard um, you know, to have those, you know, beautiful, wonderful meals, sit-down meals. And a lot of times it's that fast and grow. Uh, you know, we get fast food, we throw in, you know, a granola bar, which I'd like to say that if you've ever looked at the back of a granola bar and a chocolate bar, they have the exact same nutritional intake. So really look at the labels. A lot of times things... I was just going to say that, Heather, you know, and we probably should talk a little bit about that, is what you were just saying, granola and chocolate bar, people, is, there's a lot of false advertising out there. And looking at the labels if you are buying food is critical because those first four ingredients are what's in the food. And if sugar and salt are listed first or some name that you don't understand, then there's nothing healthy about it. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's sort of the, the whole kind of thing metaphor. Going back to school, you're learning all new kinds of things. So if your kids are used to eating not healthy, it's time to, you know, Healthy Food 101, and really, you know, start early, start young, start whenever, as I always encourage, it's never too late to start healthy habits. Um, the first thing is preparing that lunch. Actually, you know, first thing I'd like to say is the most important meal of the day, especially when it comes to kids and education, is breakfast. A lot of times, I know I was never a breakfast person, but just getting something in their body, because what is that? It's brain food. When your child goes to school and when they start getting rumbly and tumbly, they're not going to be listening to English and math. They're thinking about hungry. And when you go so long without eating something, the first thing your body does, what the breakdowns of those sugars, your body breaks it down and um, glucose becomes sugar. And what does that mean? It means you crave sugar. So that instant thing when you haven't eaten and you eat a cookie and it feels so good, it's not nourishing you. It's just that it's bringing back up your sugar levels. So um, whether you have the time, you know, to make something just super quick, they even make sugar-free and healthy oatmeal. You can make oatmeal for everyone in the family, um, you know, a glass of non-fat or 1% milk and a piece of fruit. If your child is, is resistant about eating, then pack a little to-go breakfast. Put some, you know, some fruit, chopped up fruit, and, you know, a little screw cap of orange juice. Just something that if they get that mid-morning hungry, that then they're going to go, you know, eat something nutritious that's going to keep their sugar levels balanced and keep them focused. Next thing then, so now we got breakfast, they're good to go. You ate it through the day, and now it's lunchtime. You want to be that lunch box or lunch bag 
hero, and the main thing is getting healthy, nutritious things. So a serving of whole grain is really important, and to maintain that focus and concentration. And healthy options when it comes to whole grains could be you know, breads, pastas, English muffins. I know that may not sound, um, which is, but they have so many low-fat uh, or, or better options of that that you can get whole grain pasta, um, whole grain English muffins, that they even make them... Uh, reduced in sodium and fat, uh, you can smear some uh, whole uh, peanut butter, the natural peanut butter, the kind that separates and all that, but natural options in there. They also put a source of protein. You know, and I was going to say something about the peanut butter, too. You can put it on rice cakes. So, you know, or any kind of nut. Yeah, or any kind of nut. And if you have a food processor or like a Cuisinart and you have cashews or hazelnuts or anything you can make your own or just plain peanuts you can make your own peanut butter and even involve your kids in doing this very much so and i'm going to touch on that about getting your kids involved in making that and that's something that you can do because peanut nut spreads last a long time so if you're thinking when am i going to have time to do that you know when the kids are rushed that could be a weekend activity um something and then you could jar it up and then it's also and it's really fun when kids get involved in the process of making food they have more, they enjoy it more too. That's thing too. We have also touching with healthy uh, vegetables. If you didn't start a little garden this summer, start one this fall. Um, educate that one way. It's getting your kids physical activity, getting them outside. Teach them about where food comes from. And I have to say that fresh fruit and fresh vegetables always taste um, the best. Are just so nutrition. And it's and and you know what you're saying? I love it because I'm the big gardener. Is when kids grow their own vegetables uh, or fruits, they tend to want to eat them because they took care of them. And so you, they could plant a pizza garden, for example, with all the ingredients for a pizza, whether it be tomatoes, peppers, onions, you know, whatever the things they like. And then mom or dad provides the cheese and the crust. You know? So exactly. you, can, you can do fun things. And I wanted to say something else about fruit and vegetables, what about, you used to do this um, a lot, and I thought it was a great idea, and it's really healthy, and they're delicious, and it also gives you a little sweetness. You could make muffins uh, with carrots or bananas or cranberries or, you know, any kind of fruit or even zucchini muffins, and then use applesauce instead of sugar. You've all, yeah, you know, that was fresh apples. I was gonna, exactly. Something I was going to touch on later is that, um, a lot of times, it's just kind of, it's hard for them to convince kids that healthy foods, it's sneaking, it's not, I don't want to say sneaking in, but there's so many ways you can make some of your favorite options healthier um, without there really being a, a lack of taste. And I have to say, I always bake my my cookies, well, cookies are kind of you had to miss, but my, my cakes and my brownies with applesauce or non-fat vanilla yogurt. And no one ever knows until I tell them. And then, oh, oh, yeah, I guess I can. No one knows. And either with your kids. So if when it comes to, you know, dessert time or if, you know, they feel that need of, I you know, where's my cookie in my life? that you can still make that. You can make a chocolate chip cookie using a dark chocolate instead of a milk chocolate or some dark chocolate for the antioxidants. And then using, um, you know, instead of using the flour, you could use uh, oatmeal as well as you could use applesauce instead of the butter. Um, you know, I just made a dark chocolate brownie uh, doing just that, and I used uh, yogurt in it, and I didn't use any flour, so it was like a flourless cake. Everybody went crazy over it. They were like, this is the best brand, and there wasn't, and there wasn't any sugar. So, you know, you can do all, you can 
really cook a little bit healthier. And again, if you get your kids baking it, then they'll for sure eat it. Yeah, and another thing, so I guess, again, I'm saying, you know, once you've got lunch covered, then it comes to the after-school section. And having a pantry and refrigerator that's full of nutritious options for your kids is going to ensure that they're going to, after school, be, be filled with that, that they're not going to go from eating healthy all day. Because once, you know, they need that brain fat, they need sustainable food. And, and so once, as soon as they get home, it's sort of like they're, they have their their second shift starts now. They have all that homework. So you don't want negative nutrients. You don't want them getting home and eating just cookies and, you know, all the after-school stuff and then getting into that slump. Um, as, again, kids will get the sugar high and then they'll get that kind of sugar fall down. So make sure, you know, start fall cleaning it, as we say, if that, you know, getting rid of the chips and the nachos and the candies and the cookies. Again, you can make all of these things in a nutritional way. And a fun thing, too, is get your kids involved with that. Um, that you can, you know, again, with the cookies, as we just said, is that you can make a fun nachos, um, but without, instead of use vegetables, and you can make a homemade guacamole. Um, having fresh fruit cups, if it's something that if you're not able you know, that kids, seems like kids after school, they have all these after school sports and activities. If you don't have, um, won't have a little refrigerator thing to go or have a little cooler, you can have ready-made stuff that you can purchase at the store. Just make sure to purchase the healthier options. If you and you know how them, kids love French, uh, you know, French fries? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's like everybody seems to love French fries. Well, what about making like sweet potato fries or um, sweet potato chips or potato chips, but instead of frying them, you just slice them really thin and you bake them. And then you can put a little bit of olive oil on it with a tiny bit of salt. And a, and it's going to be so much more healthy than if you stopped by one of the fast food chains and picked up french fries. And then if you, yeah, and, and if you want to make chips, you know, and to have them dried out, then those are really great. So they'd be proud that they made their own. Yeah, and, exactly, and, and one thing I just want to say for people that are, are feeling maybe that, you know, they live that busy that they don't have time to do all this. But if you're doing this, the grocery store shopping, if you don't have the option of your schedules are just so jam-packed, um, when doing the, you know, make sure you're checking labels and things to keep in mind about filling, you know, your fridge and your pantries. If you're going to have those ready-made things, make sure you have non-fat and low-fat options. Um, Air pop popcorn, whole grain energy bars, hummus is a great thing. And I believe people will think it might be hard to sell to kids. Kids love it. A big thing, they eat with their eyes before they do with their mouth. So if you do get that time, include lots of color. You know, uh, that's more fun with that. And fun shapes. A really neat, fun thing to do is making healthy sandwiches. Take a cookie cutter and make fun little things. Get your kids Oh, I love that idea. That is so fun. And hummus is fantastic on anything. You know, whether it's you can put it on uh, celery or you could put it on bread or or carrots or just have a spoonful. It's really delicious. Or make quesadillas or tortillas with it. Exactly. And and then you know, as I say, when it comes to the dinner time, uh, that if you have the option, if maybe during the week if it's too hard, have your kids a fun thing to maybe do on a Sunday when it's kind of that winding up for the you know getting winding down from the week and getting ready for the next one. Um, kind of you know make your kid in charge. Kids feel empowered when they get to do this. So take them grocery shopping. If they you know reach the camp, find healthy options together, plan a menu. Making them, you know, sort of if you have something set up in your pantry where they can make their own lunch, but if they only have healthy options to choose from, they can't go wrong with that. Don't keep sodas in the house. Even the, the um, 
non the diet sort of things can still eventually you know still aren't good for it. If they need something sugary, they have uh, you can uh, if they need that kind of sweet kick. Um, put fruit juices in, fresh squeezed lemon lime. I like making kind of like this spa water. You can put cucumbers in. A lot of times people think that kids will be resistant to healthy food. It's just making it fun, not viewing it as a have to or something that... Well, all fantastic ideas. We're at the end of time already, and I love all these health things, and especially stay away from sodas. I know that we were never allowed to have them. I never missed it, and I do all those water things. I love it, love it, love it. So, Heather, just wind it up and give out the website. Yeah, most definitely. Just keep in mind, they're, I guess, are no longer using the pyramid, but just keep the five things. You want whole grain, protein, at least one serving of vegetable and fruit, and is and a low uh, dairy option, or even non-dairy. They make tofu things for kids. Your kids' nutrition is brain power. Think of food as brain food, and you want them to succeed. So for all this, if you want to help out the charity, read the books, all the fun things, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org, BeTheStarYouAre.com, as well as CarmenyClutches.com, both with a K. I love this brain food idea. It's read, lead, succeed. Well, when we come back from break, we are going to be interviewing world-traveling student affairs expert Dr. Don Martin. He's returning with his essential book, for any prospective graduate student, it's Roadmap for Graduate Study. We loved it before. You will love it now. We need it now more than ever. So stay with us. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we'll be right back. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are dot org. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. 
Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you staying with us on Star Style. Be the star you are on World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk, to listen, to learn, and to lead. Well, if you have been pondering going back to school to get a graduate degree, but you didn't know how to begin, we have the A to Z expert with us today, Dr. Don Martin. His book, Roadmap for Graduate Study, is absolutely a must-have, a must-read book for anyone who is considering applying for their master's or doctoral degree. He just takes the mystery and the fear out of the process because he's been there himself, and he is so down-to-earth and so real, and he wants to help you. Welcome back to Star Style. Be the star you are, Dr. Don Martin. I'm so happy you're here. Cynthia, it is so good to be back. Hello, and thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here. I am always, you're such a joy. I mean, I just love the way you think and act and be, Don, because you're just, you're so no, no no nonsense. And, you know, I think what happens so often with students, and I remember myself like this, is thinking that someone in a position as powerful as you, uh, as yours, that it's something scary. And yet Mm. you have broken down this whole idea of going back to grad school Mm. so simply because you really do care about kids. Well, not even, and I don't mean kids, but you care about people learning and getting that. I would think, Don, now more than ever with uh, the economy, you know, in a nosedive and unemployment at an all-time high, that this is the time that, People really have to go back to school and get their master's and doctorate. Tell us about that. Uh, you're exactly right. The, the first thing I want to say is the reason that I, I may be able to seem down, more down to earth or, or more real about this, Cynthia, is because I earned two graduate degrees myself. But more importantly, I, I'm just a, an average Joe. I, I did not have major connections. I didn't come from wealth. I, I was a hard-working guy who wanted to get a master's degree. I don't think you would have ever predicted with my undergraduate record that that would have been possible, that they would have looked at me, but they did. And I, I did it. And I guess it, it really spoke to me about the idea that if you really want something bad enough and you work to get it, you can do it. And that's the message I try to take to, to folks that if you want to do this, you absolutely can. If I can do it, you can do it. And as to the timing of graduate education, not only is, is the economy an important consideration, as you well point out, in addition, employers today are starting to require a master's degree where they used to accept a bachelor's. It, the, the, the benchmark is being raised. I wish it wasn't always the case that someone's career potential would be initially considered based on whether or not they had a bachelor's or a master's degree. But in truth, that is what's happening. Employers are now saying, if you want to come and work with us, we don't only want you to have a bachelor's, you have to have a master's on top of it. So if, as you say, if there was a time to do this, now is the time. Hello? Don, are you there? I'm here. I am right here. Can you hear me, Cynthia? I'm Justin, I think we've lost Don here. Oh, man. I am? Okay, I, I, good. I'm Don, here. can you hear me? I can hear you, Cynthia. Can you hear me? Okay. All right, great. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. We I'm lost sorry. you there for a minute. <laughs> I'm still here. So I'm not good. going anywhere. Well, I, I apologize there. No, no I problem. I wanted to just say that this is what impressed me so much about you before, and that's why you relate so well, is because and you, you talk about this in your book, that you didn't have those, you know, any connections, and you right. were kind of just an average student. 
Exactly. So there's so many I, people out there that don't believe that they have what it takes. And well, in your this, book, you've designed several questions to make sure that people really understand the process before right. they dive in there. So why don't we go through some of the questions? Okay. Yeah, and the reason I came up with these, to me, one of one of the while I obviously encourage folks to pursue graduate education, one of the one of the pitfalls I believe is perhaps not sitting down and giving it a lot of thought in, in terms of, of why you want to do this, why now, what type of degree you're seeking, how will this impact family members and so forth, or, or loved ones who may be involved in your life. And I, So that's why I came up with what I call a list of seven personal questions, and a couple of them are, are along the lines of what I just mentioned. First and foremost, why, why do you really want to pursue a master's? I, as much as I believe it's useful and helpful and, and, and somewhat necessary, I hope that the answer to that question, Cynthia, is not just, I just want to earn more money. Because as right. we all and know... That, usually is a que- that is usually one of the things that somebody says, unless yep. they really, really are passionate about something. Yeah, I, it, I mean, we all want to have a good income, we all want to earn a living, but if, to me, what takes you through graduate school and on into your career is, I think, what you have found in your work, what I have found in mine, is, is a passion for what you're doing. So... That, to me, is a critical question. The, the next question is, what type of degree do I either need or want to pursue the passion that I have? Is it a master's? Is it, is it, is it a master of arts? Is it a master of science? Is it a master of journalism? What, what particular field do I want to pursue? Another very important question is, what kind of learning style is important to me? Some people love to just sit in a class and have, have a lecture-style method, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you like, there are certain programs that are a bit geared more toward that particular way of, of learning. Other programs are much more interactive, where students and professors are kind of in, in discussions. There's a lot of group work or team projects as part of the assignments for classes, and that's something you also need to consider very strongly because if you're going to do this for two, three, five years, depending on the length of the program, uh, you need to be comfortable in the learning environment that you'll be participating in. And one other of these seven questions that's important to me is how will my, my spouse, my partner, my children, my family, my, how will people in my life be affected by this? Will, if, if I relocate, will there be people coming with me? Have I, have I fully investigated how this decision, even if I'm not going to move, I'm going to stay put. How is this decision going to affect others in my life beyond me? And that's really a critical question. And one of the things I think is very important about your book, we're talking to author Dr. Don Martin, and his book is Roadmap for Graduate Study, a Guide for Prospective Graduate Students. And as you already can tell, he is an expert in the whole enrollment management process and in helping you. But it takes longer than most people think. You really advocate spending, you know, give yourself two years to get in the whole process because you've got to do this research, and then, of course, the application process takes a while. You know, the reason I suggest that, Cynthia, is that sadly folks sometimes wait till the last minute. The last one or two months they gather all their information, they try to get their applications ready, and you and I know, we all do, when you're rushing to do something, you're going to make mistakes, especially when you're trying to complete several applications. Most People apply to between three and five graduate programs on average. Many of them contain three to four essay questions. There's letters of recommendation that are required, many other parts, sometimes interviews. And when you're trying to do this all in a very short period of time, you're bound to make mistakes. And the admissions committee 
isn't going to know that you had a short amount of time, and they're not going to really make allow that excuse if you have. I mistakes. was going to say, and they don't really care because no, the point no. is, is they want to have the best uh, students because the space is limited, and they really want to have people that that want to be there and want Absolutely. to learn. Absolutely, but but the, the most important thing is here, you as a, as a prospective student. If, if this, is, this is an investment in your life, your future, your career, it's going to be your time, your energy, your, your financial resources, largely at the graduate level, that are being expended. You owe it to yourself to take adequate time to do some research. And, and I, I promise you, if you do, in many cases, folks find graduate programs they never had heard of or thought about before, and oftentimes those are some of the graduate programs they end up having at the very top of their priority list once they've gone through their research. And after they've been there, they realize they made the right decision. You bet. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the application process? Okay. That, to me, is what deters people from going back to school. They're afraid that (laughs) it's going to be so dragged on, so difficult, so challenging, that they don't even want to begin. And one of the things that I really love about your book is how you've divided it up into very simple chapters where you actually pose questions and you give answers and you tell people to relax and breathe (laughs) and, you know, give the time and all that stuff. Exactly. So after they've given, allowed the time and they're, you know, the most important thing I would think is your number three where it says follow the directions. Oh, I I am so glad you brought that up. If you hadn't, I would have. This is, it's it's so sad in a way and, and, and it's so obvious, but it, it's uh, the reason I put it in the book, and the reason we're talking about it is because it's so critical. Uh, when when applicants are are, I, I think in all, in all honesty, sometimes the reason some people don't follow directions, like they they provide essays with more words than are asked. For instance, a, a 750 word essay, someone submits over a thousand words, or you're told to submit two letters of recommendation and you submit four. I think some of the motivation behind that is that prospective students and applicants are realizing they're up against quite a, a competitive applicant pool, and they they may feel like, oh, if I just tell them a little extra in this essay or if I just get a couple other people to recommend me, this will give me an edge. Well, that is actually not the case. Um, if it, that What happens, the admissions committee, they don't know that that's what you're thinking. What they're seeing is that you did not, if they asked you for 750 words and you give them over 1,000, you did not follow their directions. If, right. you, if they asked you for two letters and you gave them four, you did not follow directions, and it begs the question, if you can't do that as an applicant, what are you going to do as a student? And so I, I know it may sound trite, but it's seven, now, again, if you come up with 760 words for a 750-word essay, there's no, going to be no problem there. But basically, follow the directions. Make sure well, you and get... You know, it's, it's an important lesson for life. I mean, for example, I mean, I write for newspapers or magazines, and they give you a word count. Yes. And even yes. though you may think you can write a better article when you go longer, that's right. not what they ask for, and they that's will reject right. it. So you got it. I think following the directions is absolutely critical for um, everything you do in life, and you you really do need to start right there with your your graduate application. You got and it. It tells yeah. something. It tells the admissions officers something about the character, about no, no who doubt you about are. It. No doubt. There is no doubt about that. In, in fact, when I would evaluate applications, and I did it for, for many, many years, uh, when I was the final decision maker, I had other folks reading before I would see an application. And if I got the application and in there 
some of the comments of the other readers were this person did not follow directions. I would look at the application, but that person was already at a disadvantage in my mind just at the get-go before I read anything in the application. If I knew that they hadn't followed directions, it hurt them right off the bat. It just it makes just so much sense, so much yes. sense. Yes. So are there a couple of tips in when you are putting together an application besides yes. following you know the directions and yes. and really taking your time with the essay and getting the correct recommendations and all of that yep. you you have um kind of reviews of do's and don'ts but from I your do. personal experience was there anything that would ever stand out when you were reviewing an application that thought hmm I want to give this person a better look absolutely and the, the that that answer the the crux of that answer would be uh, and this may sound simplistic, but be someone who truly was themselves in the process, Cynthia, and didn't try to uh, tell us what they thought we wanted to hear or tell us how wonderful the institution is. I mean, some students go overboard in talking about how great whatever institution it is that they're applying to, how thrilled they are about it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't mention something, but in the ability of a student to adequately uh, uh, communicate who he or she really is, their their likes, their dislikes, their strong suits, their career interests, their hobbies, which they'll get a chance to do based on the essay questions. If they truly answer them honestly with maybe a little of humor here and there without going too far with that, but a little humor doesn't hurt, and just being yourself. And the way that, that you are helped by doing that, again, goes back to what we talked about earlier, taking the time you need to prepare your applications. If you're rushed, again, that's not going to help you relax. And when you're more relaxed, you tend to be more yourself. And so, that is such great advice. And I would also uh, say that probably to edit, 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 and review, <laughs> review, review, and perhaps have somebody else look, no, read over your, you got your essay and your application to see if, what kind of, if you've made any mistakes or you, anything, because sometimes we get too close to things, and then we, we overlook something that might be really important. I always suggest at least two people read your essays before when you're when you think they're done, they're ready to go, you spell check that you've got them ready. This is not for the purpose of them writing them for you or changing them for you, rather reading what you've written and saying, "Okay, you know, you've got there's I don't see any mistakes here or any I don't misunderstand anything." That is that is very very important to have done. I agree. Now, let's talk a minute about being waitlisted or yes. even rejected for that fact. Yes. Because this is something that is very interesting. Some people just give up hope and they think that's it. But it really isn't it, is it? Oh, not, not at all. That is definitely not it. Um, let's see. Uh, with the waiting list, uh, really, if you're placed on the waiting list, what that means is that the admissions committee is very, very interested in you. Many people think that that's being waitlisted is, is a step close to being denied. It's actually the other way around. And if you respond, should they give you information about additional parts of the application to, to emphasize or if they want an additional essay from you, they want an additional recommendation, they might want to do an interview with you via phone or in person, make sure you follow all that advice and do so with a very professional attitude. And I'm telling you, eight times out of ten, you will probably end up getting admitted. They wouldn't put you on the waiting list if they weren't interested. If you're denied, that is not the end of the game either. That happened to me. It's in my book, 
when I applied to Northwestern University where I and earned yours my is PhD, such a great story. It's I a was I was denied. Story. They didn't have all the information that I thought I had sent to them, and so I found that out about a week later when I called. They allowed me to resend the info or send the information they didn't have. They also asked me for some additional. Uh, I think it was an additional letter of recommendation, which I did. Within one month, Cynthia, not only was I admitted, not only did they reverse the decision, but I was actually given one full year of coursework toward the degree because I had a two-year master's. That now, is, I, I just love that story. That doesn't story. happen to everybody. So, you know, it but, just, there's so many, uh, well, first of all, the story's in the book, but this book, <laughs> Roadmap for Graduate Study, is truly a Bible for anyone who wants to go back to school. I, uh, Dr. Don Martin has just, listed and itemized and walked you through it. It's like he's holding your hand. He is your guide on the side. And even if you've made an error in your application, he tells you how to, to uh, resubmit, contact admissions office. And I just wanted to end it with the importance of writing a thank you note. I think thank you notes are critical. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are admitted and even if you're denied, uh, writing you know, where you feel you were treated well, and you might be disappointed, it goes a long way. And should you ever decide to reapply, it, it's a very good thing to think about. I love it. Well, you are so <laughs> amazing. This book is amazing. Go to Thank the website, you. gradschoolroadmap.com. The book, Roadmap for Graduate Study, A Guide for Prospective Graduate Students, author Dr. Donald C. Martin. You can hear how phenomenal he is. You really know your stuff. But you know, this is just so... It's so great to have you on the show, and I'm it's so glad you wrote this book. And what better time than right now in these tough economic times than to look into research going back to school. Pick up a copy, Roadmap for Graduate Study. Don, thanks again for coming on. We'll have to You're do so this welcome. again and party we some will. more. We will have to do it again. Thank you so much. You're great, and I wish you all the best, Cynthia. Thank you, and you too. Take care of yourself and I all will. your students. I know they love you. Roadmap all. for Graduate Study, a guide for prospective graduate students. When we come back from break, we're going to go across the pond to Great Britain, and we'll have a stopover in Sierra Leone, and we're going to reminisce with author Winston Ford and his bride of 45 years, Gloria with the book from Aiden to Bliss, and we'll be celebrating an anniversary, too. So stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a bit. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are. dot org. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, every week, Be the Star You Are brings you the authors and the experts who enhance, inform, and educate. And this is Life Changing Radio, and we are so glad that you are here playing with us. But if there had been home computers, Internet, Skype, or even reliable, inexpensive phone service back in the 1960s, the book that we are about to discuss would never have been published. The reason is From Aiden to Bliss is 627 pages of love letters from two people living apart in the 1960s, half a world apart. They fell in love via mail, married, bore children, and today we are celebrating their 45th anniversary, affectionately known as Mr. Clayton Day, the author's Winston Ford and his lovely bride, Gloria, and they are with us all the way from Great Britain via Sierra Leone. So welcome, Winston and Gloria, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hi, Cynthia. Hello, Winston. Hello, Gloria. Hi. Happy anniversary to both of you. Today is the big day. Thank you very much. 45th. It's a long time. Yeah. Oh, 45 years. 25th of August. Mr. Clayton Day. Well, this was a most remarkable book, From Aiden to Bliss, because it is letters that you started writing when you... Winston, were deployed to Aden. And I want you to tell us the story because you and Gloria had known each other um, in previous days, but then had lost touch. So you reconnected via letters, handwriting letters. Walk us through what happened. 
In, indeed, we, 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 we met um, as young people around the ages of um, 11 and 12. So we'd known each other for, for quite a long time. Um, but we'd gone apart for, for, for a period of about two years um, before I was posted as a young officer in the Royal Air Force to serve at RAF Comaxa in Aden. And I decided to try and reconnect and send a postcard. Um, and that postcard went to an address uh, where Gloria had moved from. So I had to wait for a few weeks to get a reply. And that's how those letters started. Well, what is what is so intriguing and so sweet about these is that it starts off just very as friends, just very simple kind of this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, you know, how are you, how is the yeah, family, and then it evolved, right, Gloria? Yes, it was, yes, because um, I was very surprised when I received his letter because not having spoken to him at all for two years, I got a letter with a postmark on it um, for his post office, and I was a bit taken aback with this because I didn't realize that there was a Forces post office with a BSPO number on it. So when I read the letter and found out it was from him, I thought, oh, right, you know, he thinks I've been sitting around waiting for two years to hear from him. So I sort of, um, <laughs> you know, I immediately... <laughs> You know, just to give the impression that I had not been sitting around on my hands. You, exactly. Years. You wanted to play a little bit hard to get here. I now, was. <laughs> yes. You, you had nicknames for each other. And where did they come from? When you, you know, if you talk, it was uh, Cooley. Uh, where did your nicknames originate from? Actually, Cooley is my, what I would call my, my, um, House name. Um, it, it's, it's a name that was used within the family. But the nicknames that we used in the letters, you may have noticed. Well, the nicknames from the letters, they come from August 25th, don't they? <laughs> Aren't they from um, 007? <laughs> well, well, no, but uh, Stravinsky and... and there were yes, just some classical composers. Exactly, but... But you kept, you did refer to when you were going to have your first child, is, was it going to be a Stravinsky? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, we started using these names of classical composers like Stravinsky and Rossini and all the rest of it. So when I was expecting our first child, we called the bomb Stravinsky. Right, exactly. It, well, this is what was so I interesting. Rossini. And I think Winston's nickname was Stravinsky Senior. So that's the name that, those were the names that we used for each other when we were writing the letters some of the time. And this was, what was very charming is, so you, you are actually wooing her and then Winston, one day you just realized that you really were in love with her and you actually decided to let her know how your feelings were. How did, how was this? How was it to communicate with such a long distance? You had to write for, you were handwriting until you got a typewriter. Uh, some of your letters were 20 pages long. Well, several of them were. Um, it wasn't a case of um, waiting for that day um, because I, I have been in love with her for, for years and years, and as I said. But 
um, if, if you recall, um, in the letter that, that uh, I, I expressed that um, wish to get married, uh, I explained that there comes a time to everyone when um, a moment to decide. And I thought I'd got to that moment for a big decision in my life. And, and, I, and I just sent it out of the blue, hoping that the answer would be um, an acceptance. And it was a resounding yes. She was very excited about this. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. and, and, and this, sorry. No, continue, continue. I was going to say it was in two stages, was it not? Um, the, the first, uh, uh, the, the first request was for for us to get together again um, and, and be serious in our relationship, not having seen each other for a long time. But, but very soon after that. I hit her with the, the actual proposal, uh, and that really, I, I imagine, was a shock, but she can say what what, what effect it had on her. Well, yeah, I was surprised because um, he's been talking about taking part in an opera. So when I got the tape from him, I thought it was to do with the opera that he was in, and I actually played it in a room full of students, <laughs> and then I um, heard the proposal come through. So it was a little bit embarrassing, and I was very, very shocked because I was not expecting anything like that. But but what a wonderful shock. Well, you know, you're talking about the opera. Winston, while you were in Aden, you performed in many different uh, different shows and performances. So you were an actor and a singer. This is something that you really enjoyed, and it, it seems that both of you enjoyed discussing this in your letters, as well as cooking. Yes, I, I, I've spent a lot of my, my, my years um, as a thespian, um, mainly in light operatic. Light and, and when I got out to Aden, I was very lucky to find that, that we had a very thriving um, operatic society. And the letters covered the various shows like La Belle Helene and um, Mikado that I either took part in as a member of the chorus or as, as, as one of the lead, lead, lead parts. Uh, and um, the, the, there's a theme in the letters where I connected with Gloria because she had to read about all my my, my shows. I mean, it was inescapable. <laughs> and she enjoyed it. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about because I think it really is so pertinent for today is when you did decide you asked her to get married and then you were still apart and you're trying to debate whether to get married, you know, what month, whether you're going to get married in England or Sierra Leone, and then you had planned it for a year. And then you went on leave to uh, to England. You got together, and you actually decided to get married on your own because of one of the reasons would be that it would be good for the bottom line for your, for the balance. So that was quite interesting that you had to figure out what to do between August and January yeah. when you had your celebrate your other celebration. Tell us about well, how difficult that was. It was, but because um, when when one reads the book, um, we we decided to to get married um, today, forty five years ago, mainly for um, mercenary reasons. Um, it was going to be a civil, civil um, occasion. A civil ceremony, yes. Civil ceremony, which would have um, made us legally married, and and in those days, in the forces, 
We were not paid a salary. We were paid in bits and pieces. And if you were single, you didn't get paid as much as if you were married. And therefore, um, by getting married that way, I was going to get an extra 26 shillings a day, would you believe? <laughs> I know, you know, it's very funny to, I mean, it's not funny, but to think about how very little money that was. I hasten to say it was taxable, but the, the point was that we, we reckon that um, by doing that would would save the great sum of uh, £1,100 over 12 months. Yeah. And, wow. and we would have money to, to, to sail down to Sierra Leone to get married at, at, in the cathedral where we were both brought up. Then come back to England and buy a car and settle home. All out of £1,100. <laughs> With such large plans, but then, but then you had little Stravinsky became on the way unexpectedly, and and then you had to figure out via long distance what you were going to do. And those letters are very, very touching and very well, sophisticated. This is where the letters um, uh, outline the, the 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 planning that goes into various um, episodes in life. Exactly, and it's very. It, it happens the, today. I haven't done the civil yeah. wedding. The, our next port of call was to sail back to to Sierra Leone, but these things happen, and suddenly we realised that we had to bring that date forward. Um, and a, a lot of letters outline the, the planning that went into this change of of, of, of tack. And I, I want to say, Gloria, you you looked. Gorgeous, gorgeous. You both look so debonair on your January wedding day. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> It was very, very cold. It was in the winter, of course, you know. But looking at the pictures, you wouldn't know it was that cold because we were all in, well, the normal bridal dress and bridesmaids dresses. And it's funny, when you're excited, you tend not to feel the cold. I think one of the things that one of the things that the letters would would show is that um, one could put on that show with with a full retinue of bridesmaids and and, and the bridegroom in his uniform and his sword, all for uh, very little. very little at all. I mean, the, the cake cost. I think the whole wedding cost less than a hundred pounds. Well, can you imagine doing that now? No. Uh-huh. In- and that's this is the beauty of the book. We're talking to author Winston Ford, and the book is From Aiden to Bliss. And his beautiful bride, Gloria, they both wrote this book because it's letters to each other. And I think this is why this your letters are so beautiful because it shows two people who were in love then, and after 45 years, you're still in love. Yeah, by some miracle, we still are, yes. <laughs> I would put it better than that, <laughs> because um, the, the 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 book shows that love transcends a lot of difficulties, um, and 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 uh, it 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 can transcend distances and and so on, and and one really has to read the sequence and to to see how each each problem was tackled in a rather orderly manner, um, with the conviction that that. We, we had to be together. Uh, yes, uh, and that was the critical thing, Winston. This is what I really came away from the book, is that despite problems and challenges, you were dedicated to one another and dedicated to working it out. 
and you did yeah. it respectfully, which is something yeah. we can all learn. And, and I think that message is still still true. And anyone who reads the book will will, will find that that love and that sort of um, uh, consideration is timeless. Uh, and it's and we would lose that at our peril. Um, I believe. And I, I believe this is a timeless book, and it also is a look into the time when we worked with fountain pens or, or we wrote by hand, but a, but a connection to one another. We're running out of time. We're going to give out your website so people can go to your website and read uh, not get only this book, but you've written several other books as well. That website, WinstonFordBooks.com, and Ford is spelled F-O-R-D-E. And I want to say, Winston and Gloria, you have so much humor, and I would, I would guess that you had laughed so much throughout your relationship that it is made for a very, very happy marriage. Thank you very Thank you much. Very much. Uh, Cynthia? This has been a great interview, and congratulations on your wedding anniversary today, Mr. Clayton Day. Happy 45 years to Winston and Gloria and their book, From Aiden to Bliss. Thank you, Winston and Gloria. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. I am Cynthia Bryan. Thank you for listening to our show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be with you next week. You can find out more information at bethestarur.org. Until then, celebrate every day and share the love. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Ciao for now. Be the star you Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then... Be the star you are. You.